This is Rising Up with Sonali and I'm your host Sonali Kolhakkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has signed a troubling bill into law that seeks to criminalize dissent and appears to be aimed squarely at the Black Lives Matter movement. While the pro-Trump Republican governor and his allies are claiming that the law is meant to protect the public from riots, the ACLU of Florida has called it an anti-protest bill. A broad coalition of grassroots groups, clergy, lawyers and liberal lawmakers have expressed their opposition to the bill for weeks. Now that it has been signed into law, we'll turn today to a progressive activist turned lawmaker elected to the Florida House of Representatives. Anna V. Ascamani represents District 47. Welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me. So first, how do you view this bill that Governor DeSantis just signed into law? He is claiming that his goal is to ensure that Florida doesn't turn into Portland. And this is all about public safety. Do you see it that way? No, absolutely not. It's a complete sham. This bill is designed to silence dissent, silence those that question their government and try to uh, push for social justice changes. It's a sad reality that the governor actually tried to rewrite history because he introduced this bill back in September uh, on the campaign trail and the heat of the Black Lives Matter protesting and then after the January 6th insurrection, attempted to say that this bill was also designed to address that. And yet when the governor signed the bill, he was flanked by some of the most aggressive law enforcement officers in the state of Florida. Um, there was not one person of color at the bill signing. And the focus of the sheriffs who were there were completely on Black Lives Matter protesters. Nobody mentioned white supremacists. Nobody mentioned insurrectionists. And it completely is designed to feed into the governor's base as Governor DeSantis is rumored to be running for president in 2024. So when we look at the way this bill is presented, um, it's, you know, it's being seen as something relatively protective of the public. But how would it, how do you explain how it actually criminalizes protests? And I imagine that it's going to get challenged in the courts because it seems pretty antithetical to the First Amendment. And of course, conservatives constantly claim that they're in and Republicans that they are in favor of the, you know, they're staunch free speech activists. Yeah, that's the irony of it. I mean, the Governor DeSantis is attacking big tech for censoring him and conservatives, while House Bill 1, now law in Florida, is censoring everyday people that dare challenge systematic oppression within their government. Now, it's important for folks to remember that the elements within this bill, when it comes to an attempt to prevent looting, violence, vandalism, all of that's already illegal in Florida. We didn't need a new law to criminalize any of these acts. It was already in the books. What this does is it creates new enhanced penalties for crimes that we already have. It actually creates a third degree felony if you cause only $200 of damage to any type of Confederate monument. It also uh, provides uh, liability protection for those that run over protesters. Um, and it creates this new vague description of mob intimidation, which could lead to innocent bystanders who are just pushing for change in their government to be arrested without bail. It's completely unconstitutional. It is against all our First Amendment rights. And I do suspect for there to be a lawsuit filed um, in the next couple of weeks. 
It's amazing. Also, I understand that uh, the bill includes provisions for Florida city police departments to challenge city budgets. I guess this is the Republican-led pushback to the slogan of defund the police. Correct. I mean, this is a power grab by Governor Ron DeSantis and other Republican leaders uh, to control the budgets of local governments, even if law enforcement supported the reallocation of dollars towards other public safety programs, uh, cities could be punished for that decision. And again, it's very ironic because these are Republicans who often preach small government, but they're putting into place big government policies. How important is it to bring up the fact and to, to contextualize this bill uh, being in Florida with the fact that not only was Florida where Trayvon Martin was killed, leading to the birth of the Black Lives Matter movement, but Florida has also seen its share of horrific mass shootings, such as the Parkland right. shootings. If Governor DeSantis was really interested in public safety, there are some pretty serious issues of violence aimed at members of the public that he could do something about, but doesn't seem to be interested. Correct. I mean, there are mass shootings happening across the country. Um, it feels like it's almost daily where we're hearing of another mass shooting. And my district is actually home to Pulse Nightclub. We lost 49 mostly queer, black and brown people right, uh, to course. gun violence. And one of the reasons why I even ran for office in the first place was because of the, the, the epidemic that is gun violence. And the governor has taken no action on this crisis whatsoever. And unfortunately, we see these type of uh, authoritarian-like politics in an effort to not only appeal to a political base, but to really make it harder to challenge who's in power right now. You know, House Bill 1 is, is, is moved at the same time of voter suppression legislation, of legislation targeting constitutional ballot amendments, on legislation preempting local governments from clean energy policies, on legislation attacking trans kids. This is not an isolated uh, uh, policy decision. It's happening in, in conjunction with other efforts to maintain the status quo in Florida and make it harder for, for everyday people to change their government, to reelect new leaders. So this is a governor that barely won his election. He won his election by about 31,000 votes, but you see him taking every opportunity to exert power, uh, to take it away from everyday people and to try to maintain the status quo for his own political gain. What was the political fight in the Florida House of Representatives where you are an elected official? What was that fight like? And, you know, was it basically strictly along party lines or were there any Republicans that opposed it? It's a great question. We actually did have a Republican opposition in the state Senate. One Republican, Senator Jeffrey Brandis, uh, voted against this legislation. And he has been um, uh, one of the vocal voices when it comes to criminal legal system changes, when it comes to ending mass incarceration and, and really trying to be more proactive when it comes to uh, what public safety can look like in our communities. Florida has a, a large incarceration population. We have mandatory minimums still. And there has been bipartisan measures to try to address these archaic, hard on crime approaches to public safety. House Bill 1 took in the complete opposite direction. Unfortunately, uh, most of the debate was partisan. I know in the Florida House where I serve, the vote was along party line. 
but the debate was intense and the Black Legislative Caucus really led the charge in in sharing not only their concerns of the policy itself, but their personal stories as being Black in America, with many parents sharing their fears of the world their children were going to grow up in. So it was a very frustrating and painful debate. Um, and the fight continues. You know, we have been uh, pushing against this bill since the governor first introduced the, the concept. And we're not going to stop fighting. We're not going to stop organizing for issues that we care about. And we're certainly going to make sure that everyday people have their voices heard. Now, the uh, bill was signed into law at the same time that the Derek Chauvin trial is wrapping up in Minneapolis. The city of Minneapolis is, of course, very tense, understandably so. You and I are speaking before the jury has made its decision. Um, and there are cities across the country that are sort of bracing for the decision. Meanwhile, police departments and city officials are bracing for the uh, outrage, the public outrage that might result if Chauvin is uh, not convicted. I imagine that there's tension in Florida as well. There is tension. There is a lot of, a lot of trauma. There is a lot of stress, and actually the governor commented on, on the case of George Floyd and was, was very disrespectful to just the type of pain that people are experiencing when it comes to uh, the death of George Floyd and, of course, watching the, the court proceedings um, um, carry, carry towards a conclusion, making comments that, uh, you know, if, if Florida, if our attorney general is a part of that case, the result would be different. I mean, it's just, it's just sickening how arrogant our governor is and how disrespectful he is to the experiences of black and brown people. And this is not the governor's first legislation uh, targeting people of color. In fact, the governor's first two years were spent on prioritizing anti-immigration policy. So he is a Trump-endorsed candidate. He won his primary because of President Trump, and he very much is trying to fill the shoes of, of, a, new, of a new Trump as he looks towards running for higher office in the near future. It's amazing that the news headlines are filled with um, outrage over Congresswoman Maxine Waters' uh, remarks to Minneapolis protesters rather than what Governor DeSantis is doing in Florida. You've also been on the streets. In addition to being an elected representative in the House of Representatives of Florida, you've also been out in the streets alongside um, those people who've been protesting this bill. Tell me about the coalition that has built up on the ground and, and how activists, grassroots progressive activists in Florida are responding to the stunning news of this bill being, well, I guess not unexpected though, news of this bill being signed into law. Well, what's interesting is that the opposition towards this law is, is diverse. We have political um, activists on all sides of the aisle. We had the Catholic bishops who were opposed to this bill and we have Black Lives Matter protesters who opposed this bill. We have state attorneys who are opposed to this bill, even members of law enforcement who found this legislation to be counterintuitive to their efforts at building trust with their communities. And so the opposition was diverse politically, diverse generationally. The faith-based community was very much um, a key opponent to this legislation. And so uh, I find a sense of hope in that solidarity that uh, it, we're definitely, it's not, it's not right versus left on this issue. It's very much the everyday people against uh, the uh, government overreach of our, of our governor. And when it comes to the efforts on the ground, I mean, organizers are going to keep organizing and we're going to do everything we can to support those efforts. I have been a community organizer um, for over a decade now in my own community, uh, helping to uplift voices who are so often marginalized and left behind. And we cannot, we cannot be intimidated to stop that work. We have to keep going. 
And of course, it is no coincidence that Florida is also home to former President Trump, who is seen as the person inciting violence on January 6th in Washington, D.C. If ever there was a demonstration of uh, mob violence on a large scale, especially over the past year, I imagine that the Washington, D.C. January 6th riot far eclipses anything that we might have seen in cities like Portland last year. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you had an attempted government coup on on January 6th, um, led by white nationalists and supporters of President Trump. And, and to this day, uh, there has been no effort made by my Republican colleagues to acknowledge that. In fact, we have tried multiple times to amend different types of bills focused on culture wars, bills that are trying to uh, denounce uh, uh, th uh, political ideologies like DSA, uh, with pointing out the, the fact that real tyranny exists in this country and it takes shape in white supremacy. And that continues to be ignored by our Republican colleagues every single day. So we, we continue to hold them accountable uh, to point out the flaws in so many of their uh, priorities legislatively. And we're not going to stop fighting for what, what matters. And we're not going to stop organizing uh, not just for today, but also for 2022. Because I think one element that's very clear for us here in Florida as Democrats, as progressives, is we have to have to prepare for the next election cycle because we just don't have the numbers in these chambers to win these fights. And that needs to change. Right. I mean, the only way to sort of overturn this legislatively is to go back to the drawing board with a Democratic majority. But of course, there are legal challenges to it as well. Uh, the group Dream Defenders, which is very active in Florida, is taking the uh, bill HB1 to the United Nations Human Rights Council, saying it violates international law. What about federal legislation? I'm wondering if there's anything in the works, in, you know, in, encompassed in the For the People Act or, you know, these broad acts that uh, the Democratic slim, albeit majority in Congress, is attempting to pass. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's very appropriate for uh, uh, the federal government, alongside international partners, to look at this legislation now law, and to express concern and to find ways to ensure that our First Amendment rights are still available to us. This is a really serious issue because the governor said it during his press conference. He wants other states to look at this bill and to model this law. So this is not the end. This is the beginning of of conservative governors trying to find ways to maintain the power within their states by pushing bills and laws that disenfranchise everyday people. Remember that if you are arrested under some of the penalties within this new law, you could lose your ability to vote in Florida. So it's not just about hard on crime and, and protecting Confederate monuments. I mean, this is an insidious way to also take away the voting rights of black and brown people over time. So we have to be very critical of it and, and do whatever we can to, to, to not only repeal the bill, but to challenge it in court. Right. And you mentioned the monuments. That was another part of this far reaching bill. And it's another, you know, basically red meat for conservatives uh, who have been denouncing the destruction of Confederate era monuments and figures. Well, finally, it's so uh, do you see this bill as 
really a hallmark of authoritarianism. And if we were to see a bill like this in another country, an anti-riot bill being passed by a governor or a president or prime minister of another nation where they used this idea of criminalizing dissent and protest, um, you know, and recasting it as public order and safety, our press here in the U.S. would cover it as a hallmark of creeping authoritarianism. We criticize it in countries like Russia and, and China and, and, and in other nations as well, right? Egypt. Absolutely. I mean, I, I have made that point so many times to my colleagues. You know, my family is Iranian. My parents were immigrants from Iran. And every day they would share with me stories about about their, their rights being suppressed and the human rights violations in countries like Iran. My conservative colleagues go after these countries all the time. Uh, they express concern with censorship within these countries every day. And yet when it comes to the censorship of Floridians, um, they are silent. You know, it, it's so ironic to see Governor DeSantis attack big tech companies for removing his his disinformation videos from YouTube while he signs House Bill 1 into law. So it's an ideology of convenience. We have to protect our rights here in Florida, across the country, and candidly across the world, because I do think it's an American value to honor and uphold our First Amendment rights. And that is something that we, we, we encompass for ourselves and as role models across the globe. And this is a sad moment for Florida, but it is not the end. And we're gonna keep fighting and organizing and do what we can to change the course of the state. Representative Anna Eskamani, thank you so much for joining us today. Appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. My guest has been Anna V. Eskamani, Florida House of Representatives for District 47. And we've been discussing Florida's new law passed by Republicans to criminalize protest. I'm Sonali Kohatkar. We're online at risingupwithsonali.com, where you can sign up for our daily newsletter. Also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RU with Sonali.